0: Welcome to revive ministry podcast today we continue on the discussion on remembering our wellness tribute to mental health awareness month Remembering is a very human thing that we struggle with and mental health is no has no is the same thing and a lot of times it has Sometimes it can be distressing for amongst family members and communities for it has been for years um there's a lot of cultural significance, and it can be overwhelming. The shame, the stigma can be very real, real for those communities. Today, we have a special guest, a new guest to the podcast. Her name is Ashley Grimes. She's a NAMI State, Florida president. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, join, continuing the conversation. You know, This conversation is not always easy, but I feel it is needed. So thank you, Ashley.
1: Thank you for having me. And I think conversations change things. A lot of people, you know, they shy away from talking about things, but sometimes talking about things lead to solutions or lead to understanding.
0: Yeah, and I feel that sometimes uh, sometimes you get you're you're onto to something when it's uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, a lot of the most notable conversations are uncomfortable. Um, I wanted to say thank you for just taking the time to share your insight with us today um disclaimer for those in the u.s i know they're changing to 988 soon but i'm just giving the full number if you are in crisis situations 1-800-273-8255 is the National suicide prevention lifeline i encourage those listeners outside the u.s to find what resources resources look different for everyone um I just want to, you know, people say better than me, actually. They always do. There's always these great quotes, and I'm, I'm, not, um, I'm not shy to say David Spangler says it this when we're talking about mental health, and he says, some people think that they're in a the community, but they are only in proximity. True community requires commitment and openness. It is the willingness to extend yourself, to encounter, and to know the other. What comes to mind when you hear this quote?
1: It makes me think a lot of, you know, there's been such a focus on diversity, equity, inclusion, and I've taken, like, several courses related to that, and it's like, you know, we, for my whole life, there was just, like, shame to try to fit into this box, like, and I didn't fit into the box of what I was supposed to be, Mm. and, like, what I felt like if I looked like or or how I acted, like I would be a good member of my community. But in reality, like, you know, the more you learn about diversity, equity, inclusion, differences are strengths. And a community has to have members that are different or else they're weak. And that's why we adapt and we have adaptations because changes and differences make stronger and so i think you know you're you're only close to each other if you're trying to be the same yeah yeah strong if you're the same a community is a cohesive group that's strong together and if you're going to be strong together you have to accept the differences and love the differences
0: i think that's wonderful because a lot of times you know um i learn more when i have you know disagreements with someone You know I learn more about myself I learn more about the subject and sometimes you know we have that awful look at the mirror of ourselves Um, you know we we maybe maybe we may have the same the passion or the drive to do something but there's not always one way to do it and like there's people who have different I don't know we talked about I mentioned before culturally that's a huge thing you know what your background is not just what your what your ethnicity or your race is like it's more like how did you how were you when you brought up i'm a first generation american my mom is south korean my dad is puerto rican it is one of those things so i just remember going to school and traditionally christmas was very different people had like for me it was i felt different so i feel you're what you're saying is right on point because a lot of times, we if we're if we're all around like-minded people who think they're like us, doesn't challenge us or say why are we doing what we're doing. It's just everyone saying yes, that's great. Yes, that's great. Doesn't really push or push the conversation forward because I feel this is kind of a journey. It's not like a destination. It's something that we kind of journey through as time continues to change. Um, thank you. I wanna. My wife has this one book. It's untranslatable words, and I'm going to butcher this word. It's from Welsh. and says, Hirath. It is uh, a homesickness for somewhere you cannot return to. The nostalgia and grief for the lost places of your past, places that never were. I know, at least for me in recovery and several of my peers, we have a skewed view of what our life was before, and sometimes that could get us stuck. Um, I like to mention this word a lot in my podcast because it's so unique. Like, it's such a long, weird, convoluted, vague definition, but I feel a lot of us can relate to it. I want to ask you this question, and you know, I'm pulling it back to you. And it's it's Mental Health Month, but we can't talk about mental health without pain. When we talk about remembering pain, remembering loss, why do we want to remember, even remembering complete, completed suicide? Why is... Why do we remember it? Why do we attach ourselves to this? A lot of times, sometimes that's why we don't have conversations. So what, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, I can only answer this for me personally. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a person in long-term recovery. I'm mm-hmm. Also a person that struggles with co-occurring disorders um, and a suicide survivor. And um, I found recovery after um, I lost my best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, due, due to suicide that's yeah. my suicide and I used substances to numb so yeah. when I first got into recovery I felt everything very strongly
0: yeah. and
1: um, but her death was something that was so big and so hard I mm-hmm. still had like it was almost like that trauma like I couldn't feel the full effects of what mm. that loss felt like until, you know, at the end of this month will be my five years yes. and it was five years in February since I lost her. And, um, this year was probably the first year I felt it for the first time, like fully. And yeah. it's because I've done so much work and I allowed myself to not be numb, but, but in losing that numbness, it it hurt. It hurt really bad, but it only hurt really bad because we had such great memories because she was such a great person because I, I had such great times with her. So if we don't remember the losses, mm. we don't remember the good either. Like that's what life is about. It's good and it's bad. You can't have joy without pain and
0: I, I you know I, I i you know a lot of times we we try to especially support groups you know support groups nami support groups a lot of times we share stories you know we check in you know do our check, check in and the one thing is a lot we may not understand exactly what the person's feeling but we understand feelings of sadness or loss um um we this month is remembering our wellness for me you know is what you're saying for me the reason we remember these things because of the people people we love we make mental health so complicated but it is about the people um um, part of i did you know like i said i've been doing i told you before i'm doing EMDR therapy and one of the first traumas i was working on and i don't mind sharing just a little bit was my friend was in a car accident when i was like in junior year and i just remember the first thing you go and my image they tell you look at the image that you saw and i remember just rushing from high school to go to the gas station and i remember just seeing the car just i'm like no one could survive that and i remember saying feeling tremendously powerless at that point point. and sometimes you know um we have these we have these harass moments because later on i had other times where then i just said no it's my fault that this happened you know, these things happen because, and then like, you know, substances, I, you know, I was a heavy drinker you know, I was in the military. So heavy drinking, it's, you numb it, you know, you're like, you know, desensitize the sensitivities, but trying to avoid that pain for so long provides more pain, at least from my experience, I can only speak for me, but I just remember that. So why do we remember? Because of course the people, but also the lessons we learned. The coping skills we learned, and what, how much we've grown so far, and I just, I, I just, um, I just really appreciate it. any guest that comes here. I don't, you know, some guests are like, yeah, I've, you know, I spoke at TED Talk. I don't care. We're here talking, <laughs> really, just sharing. I'd say I feel like these things are just. I just feel very, I would say, blessed to have people who want to continue to share it. And I'm just to ask you real quick, the um, Ashley, could you share? your take on, um, well, can you share, because people don't know you, I just ask you, if you want to share a little bit about your story, I know that it wasn't really, uh wasn't really, but, you know, impromptu, just how the conversation goes, those who are listening, what, what, what makes you do what you do? Let me just ask you that.
1: <laughs> well, I kind of like, alluded to it a little bit, in the yeah. last session. but, um, so, um, you know, and I didn't really know until, you know, I got older and started looking back at stuff but my stuff started young I lost mm-hmm. my dad when I was 11 mm-hmm. uh, suddenly and he was like you know like my hero and like and then you know as a then you go to middle school as a middle school girl and you don't ever you know feel like you fit in and there was body issues and intense dieting and exercise and you know it, it just you know you know and I you know I don't want to call a no. daddy or anything like that, but you know, you, you look to guys to fill a void that, you know, your dad mm-hmm. left. And, you know, I had, um, like when I was, um, 23, I had my first daughter and, um, I had my second daughter 16 months later. Mm-hmm. Um, and when my youngest was five months old, I fell over a baby gate and shattered the radial head of my elbow. Mm-hmm. And I Kind of see it. Yeah. I can't straighten and still, um, I can bend, but it's, um, that's three surgeries in a year and a half. Um, you know, occupy or physical therapy, mm. um, pain management. Um, so I was, um, sent to pain management and given everything under the sun for eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there was, I, I'd gotten, you know, off of. The pain medicine one time for eight months
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, ended up getting sepsis in my leg and went to the hospital and you know said no no narcotics mm-hmm. you know woke up and asked what was being put in my iv and they were giving me morphine mm-hmm. uh, i was sent home with 180 hydrocodone and you know i was back to the races mm-hmm. um, and that whole time i was a mom i was married um i was working in a church uh, for- mm-hmm. I was running a two-year-old program, and I was the store manager. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I couldn't get out of bed if I didn't take pain medicine. And it wasn't to get high. It wasn't to – it was I could not function. I couldn't yeah. do anything without it. It was intense, you know, withdrawals, and I didn't want to be there at all. I
0: yeah.
1: A lot of people, you know, they're – it doesn't matter what substance you use, or but you know, a lot of people go to this stigma of it was a choice, and
0: mm-hmm. I,
1: it, it wasn't a choice. It was, you know, I was told to take this medicine when I wasn't taking it enough and intense pain and throwing up. They told me to take more,
0: mm.
1: and I was following doctor's advice. And
0: got, yeah, you know, and yeah. I feel that this the, there's a lot of stigma, and I, I would like that you brought that up because. You know, I, I feel, and I really, for me, it's it's easy to sit, sit on the sidelines and say, well, you made that choice. Things don't happen in the vacuum. <laughs> you tell, like, I'm, 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 you know, I work the clients I work, I work in the mental health field, too. And I just know it's, it's more complicated. It's, it's about the individual, all the context, everything, the environment, everything leading up to this one choice. And you just hope, at least I just hope... That they have another choice that they can make later on. <laughs> that's that's a sad truth. And for me, I think it's very brave that you're sharing all this. You know, a lot of people. A lot of times we over-explain because. But the thing is, mental health is messy. But like if we define it, it is messy. It is a struggle. Um, and you know, we talk about stigma, stigmatization, and it's culturally wide. It doesn't matter what race, gender, what you what you identify as. It doesn't really matter. Um, what church you belong to? How important you are? You know these things just cross lines. I work. I'm a leader in church. I know how much I tell this to people when I, uh, you know, they, uh, they know, I say I know churches done hard, uh, uh Sometimes have hurt people very badly. I do not sway away from that, but it's more about connecting with an individual. And I want to ask you. You know, segue. I really, I really appreciate you sharing what you did. I know it's hard. I want to also ask you when we talk about stigmatizing in mental health, how do you feel community can approach this topic? Um, uh, I think people. I would say this. I would rather people tell your story, your type of story, struggling. I don't know what to do. I'm struggling with, um, you know, pain medication, and not and 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 then not be a bad like accountability is only a bad word when it's not a safe place. Uh, when you're saying I'm really struggling and then they say you made that choice where does it go there why can't we say how can I help what can I see what can I do to, what can I how can I be there for you you get what I'm saying so well how would you t- yeah, go ahead.
1: I can give you an example of this year um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: remember when I said you know this is the five year anniversary and it was really really hard for me mm-hmm. and like I got really in my head because like You know, with opiate use disorder, it's like once you get to five years, you have an 85% chance of sustaining long-term recovery. So you get in your head, you're like, okay, I just have to get like a couple, like it's, you almost psych yourself out. And like, so I'm struggling with this pain of like feeling this for the first time. And you know, the guilt that I'm here and living this great life and she's not. And like, I a hundred percent, like, I would not be here if it wasn't for her like and you know i promised that i would make my life matter so that you know like people could realize that their lives matter so that we didn't have to lose more people like her but when i like i was really really close to you know we'll use non stigmatizing language Mm and other currents because Mm -hmm. i didn't want to feel the pain i wanted to numb so bad Mm -hmm. when I told you know my people you Mm. know like I want to I want to numb like that I do not want to feel that I don't I do not want to feel this Mm. they they said that sucks and I know what it feels like to hurt like that and to not want to feel like that Mm. and it's completely understandable that you feel the way you do and it saved me from a recurrence, or relapse, whatever you want to call it, because somebody mm. empathized that the way I felt was okay.
0: It's 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 so funny you say that because the thing is you, the normalization of a feeling, you know, because a lot of times, you know, it's so shameful, and that's a problem. It's, it, it's so shameful to have a problem. Then what happens when you need help? Well, you have to over-explain how shameful the problem is and then deal with the problem itself. So when someone says, i can like normalize and says i understand like understanding that it's okay that you feel that way one of the things we used to say is uh it's okay to not be okay it's so strange for people to say that but it's so fundamentally healing to be you know we have support groups why do people go if you look on paper some of those people's lives on paper don't change but they do better they feel better why because they're sharing stories um i was um I was, I'm from New Jersey, so there's a lot of Italians, right? <laughs> I'll just say that. And there's one word that says, um, I'm messing it up. All the Italians are yelling at me. To be moved in a heartwarming way, usually relating to a story that moved you to tears. A lot of times, you know, I, I know I'm, I, I was the first elder in the church. You know, I understand doing Bible studies. One thing I always didn't like was when they said, well, you just have to follow the Ten Commandments, and that's it. I'm like, you take out the story. Stories are the best elements to learn things. Your own story is your best element. Your story may share, help someone else with their journey. So, I think stories in itself has been fundamentally a great tool to share experiences. And like in in support groups, we do that. In NAMI, we do that. You know, we have those avenues to family supportive support group, the connection support group that i feel is fundamental it may be some people may be like i don't need that i remember when i got out of the military i had nothing i was struggling with my my, my issues and i was very bitter actually i was like i was during 9-11 I, I felt like nothing no one was there for me then why would i go to a support group with people but it's been the best best thing it's been amazing it's been great to just connect and to, just to be with people like that so it's it's been a you know it's funny what you initially is uncomfortable becomes something more
1: <laughs> Look, it's funny because the first time i was ever asked to speak like i'm not a person that likes to be in front of people mm-hmm. it's socially awkward and socially anxious and it's just like you know especially because i numbed for so long so mm-hmm. i you know i was able to do it when i was numb but when i'm like then your <laughs> insecurities you feel them on mm-hmm. The first place I was asked to speak was on Mother's Day, um, at my mom's church, and like, and I was like, the first time I'm gonna tell my story in <laughs> a people is, Mother's is a big deal at church, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, as a mother, like going to speak and like having to tell that I watched two year olds and I was high, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to, go, you know, like, yeah, I'm telling you like, that was probably one of the moments that like changed my life because I went in there and was completely honest probably for the first time that ever in church and just was respectful but I was completely honest and, and talked about how I I tried to you know fit in and didn't feel like I did and you know like had to dress a certain way to like and, and it was like there were so many other people that related to that and that were open to hearing my story and understanding it that it was just like the mm-hmm. empathy and it w- it was just like one of the most powerful moments ever and so it was a place that i thought i would always be judged and i wasn't mm-hmm. and that was that's huge
0: that that's wonderful and that's you know that's that's the kind of community this you know i This is a segue Revived ministry is not proselytizing it is a ministry but i treat it like a medical ministry now, you can see medical missionaries in uh, other countries they bring you know medicine what i i like to do is bring a safe space so we can continue talking that's it is the the whole idea is a lot of these conversations unfortunately get pulled under the rug i do like so much your story that um that that your church really rallied you felt like it was a turning point and i think this Cor- coretta scott king says it best it says the greatness of a community is most accurately measured by the compassionate actions of its members it's not about like you know there's so many people still like um trying to say how important they are but really i found my healing from serving others my recovery was just being there serving sharing being there you know it's showing up you know recovery like you said and what we said and hinted on it's not like every damn awesome sauce (laughs) every day some days i'm just barely i'm happy to get out of bed like i've the the success i have now is built on the remember remembering (laughs) the coping skills noticing when anniversaries of traumas are coming towards towards me telling my wife of it telling my my supportive network like hey And, you know, as people say today, like, Rob, I I don't even... Like, you had a mental illness? Like, I don't see it. You know, I don't see you. But that's years and years. And for me, I I feel it's not about... That's why it's invisible. But it's also... I just love the idea of um, there's always that growth. There's always that. And it starts a lot of times from a community that you experience. You know, there was moments in my life where... I was afraid I'm being brutally honest. I'm like, oh this is gonna backfire and it doesn't. And I I, th- I think this is why wa- this answers itself, but why is community involvement important in remembering our wellness? Because it kinda germinates. It produced moving forward. You know, it's scary. It's scary being vulnerable. It's scary sharing these things when everything in your body is saying they're not gonna look at me the same. We talk about value a lot, but we don't value it a lot. <laughs> In ourselves, so, uh, you know. Yeah, um, if there if there's anything you want to add to this, uh, Ashley, you know, I think uh, we've been talking back and forth, but I just want to ask: um, when it comes to community, anything you want to add?
1: Well, my dream, like, and it's been my dream, probably like since after the, my first year in recovery, is that a recovery ready community? Like, that's you know, there's like. There's sober livings and there's like you know this there's this, but recovery is not just from substances. It's not just from mental health diagnoses or disorders. It's not just from you know it. You can recover from anything. Yeah. Everybody is in recovery if they want to be a hundred percent honest. As long as they're working on themselves, you're in recovery. And recovery is a process of change. Right. <laughs> Try to regain your wellness or. You know return to wellness um if you go by like the definition you know the, i paraphrase but sam's definition and mm-hmm. so like everybody is you know if you're working on yourself you're trying you're you're in a process you might not be moving forward that day you might be standing still sometimes you take a step to the left or a step to the right mm-hmm. but process and a journey and when we have communities that understand that and don't say you have to do it this way and it has to be a 12-step or it has to be a medication or it has to be Mm. church or it has or it can't be church or it can't like have communities that are ready for recovery
0: Mm.
1: the world will change
0: I, you know, I think, you know, we're beginning and the word holistic recovery, the idea that it's it, it's individualized. You know, a lot of times when you talk about supportive resources, um, sometimes we make it too complicated. I talk to my clients or anything, I'm like, did you fish? Do you like fish? <laughs> Like, really, it's, it's that simple sometimes. You know, obviously, um, there's other, you know, breathing, some more um, evidence-based things that have been helpful, especially to anxiety. But a lot of times it's just building what you, you know, a lot of times when you're at least downsliding you're 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 on the onset of understanding that you have a mental illness or you're struggling with something one of the first things you lose is things you used to like to do you'll see the dusty guitar <laughs> you see things that you used to and the more you look at it more you're like uh oh, the days when i was and sometimes you know with me- mental health medications at least people out my um you may gain weight you may feel your body may change and you may but when you put value in yourself put boundaries you know boundaries is a huge thing when it comes to social and you know, connectivity you're reconnecting to the world now not numbing yourself so it's like how do i do this effectively without overdoing it and allow myself grace to just rest so I, I I think this is such a long topic, but I really appreciate what points we already made. I want to ask you, we're talking about remembering wellness, our wellness when it comes to recovery. What would you like people to remember regarding mental health month uh, today as you as we would observe mental health Awareness month?
1: I think I would like especially this year, mm-hmm. there's not a single person in this whole world that hasn't experienced trauma in the last few years. So whether it be, you know, trauma with a big T trauma with a little T vicarious trauma, secondary trauma, like it doesn't matter what, you know, mm-hmm. what everybody is going through something. And I think that as we observe mental health awareness month, if everyone learned one coping skill that would help them, or that would give them empathy to to look at somebody else with a, a little a, a different lens, mm. I think that we really could make a difference for anybody with a mental health diagnosis or a struggle. Or yeah. you know, the numbers are going to change. It's it, you know, it's they're very under undervalued right now. It's everybody is going to have struggled with something by the time the new numbers come out in the next few years. It might take a little bit mm-hmm. for some of that trauma to hit, but it's going to affect our... I think about four and five-year-olds that were affer- like afraid to go to the grocery store, afraid to see their grandparents. Like
0: mm-hmm. That
1: does have its effects over the long term. and Hopefully, it won't be permanent, but when you mm-hmm. give little kids a fear that they're going to give something that could potentially kill their grandparents. Like that's huge to put on a little kid.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I feel you know you're you're, you're you know a lot of people experience trauma, loss. Um, one of my noble friends, he he's on the podcast. He's a, a pastor. Uh, he lost his father on Christmas Day. Uh, uh, just over a year ago and I just you know for me um he was annoying with Christmas he loved he's like elf he's like September you know you gotta put Christmas stuff up but one thing I I, I do appreciate is the process he went through the process of healing he still is and it's it's one of the things that I feel um I want people to remember also give your time give yourself time give yourself grace. This t- things if it's a 2 year problem and you're expecting to be finished with it like 5 weeks ago, it's not going to happen that way. Invest in yourself. <laughs> you know, uh you're valued and you know, it's not because of the job or the title, it's not because of what you've done. Uh, I know this sounds weird, but I would say it's because you're Ashley. It's because I'm Robert. That's it. We make it so complicated. We have our own group of people. We make so many titles on top of titles, but really mental health is messy, but it's important because of the people. I, you know, I, I feel that's um, any final thoughts you would like to share with those listening today? You know?
1: I think I, I would love to just say that, you know, just like what Robert said, everyone is important, everyone has value and Self-care looks different for everyone. I hated the word self-care when I first heard it because everybody was talking about going and getting their nails done or going and taking a bath. And I was like, how boring is that? Like for me, self-care sometimes is reading a book or learning something new. Or for some people, self-care is rock climbing. Self-care is doing something for you. And it doesn't matter what it looks like as long as it's something that it's what you want to do for you.
0: Yeah, that's I, 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 you know, I, yeah, I, I, myself care, you know, I, I do karaoke a bit, I sing a bit, I, I thus, uh, um, I also play video games. I don't mind. I, I was a gamer when I was young. Me and my brother just wanted to be busy because then we have to do stuff. <laughs> so we liked. I like video games. I like story elements, but for me, those are just little bits of me. Is it that everything? No, it's it's. I do like um. I like connecting. I think everyone really does. It's just they connect in different ways. I want to say thank you, Ashley, so much for joining us in the discussion. It was, it's was it been fun. You know, this is really what I want. You know, a lot of times um, it's just to have these moments of clarity, moments of pause. Say, hey, you know, mental health is something we need to remember. Uh, this is my experience of it. I know your experience is different and is just as valid. You know, so... Um, Revive, you know, again staying updated with Revivory through revivoriesfl.com is our website. This is goodbye from Revivory. Leaving you with the last quote. It's from Oscar Wilde. Those who read books, <laughs> the smallest act of kindness is worth more than the grandest intention. One second.